All right, wrestling fans, it is Wednesday, which means it is time for Pro Wrestling America. This week, coming to you from the Pfizer Forum in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 11 big matches for you tonight, including the possibility of the return match. Well, I'm giving that away, ain't I? Return match for the World Heavyweight title. Will Savannah Jack face off against The Undertaker again in a rematch from last week? Or will Terry Funk have something to say about it? We will find out in a few moments. But the first match on the card tonight has Special Delivery Jones facing off against Rasta the Voodoo Man, two of the lesser-used guys that are really there to help just bring out some of the other wrestlers. Uh, this match ends in a disqualification in a time of 3 minutes 26 seconds when Gold Dust attacks Special Delivery Jones. He grabs the microphone and demands that he be given more matches. He demands a spot in the Deadly Dozen tournament. He wants Stone Cold Steve Austin's spot since Austin left. If he can't have it, he threatens to take out anyone who is in the tournament. He drops the mic and leaves, making his statement. Rasta leaves with him as they are somewhat tag team partners. Next match. Kurt Henning versus Hot Stuff Eddie Gilbert. In this classic contest, Henning began a technical match. Gilbert hits a German suplex on Henning, but both of them land on Gilbert's head. Henning tries to continue the match, but Gilbert is basically out on his feet. Henning rolls him up in a small package for a quick pin in a time of 3 minutes, 53 seconds. Medics come down to check on Gilbert, and he is carted out on a stretcher. Hopefully we'll find out more during the card or before next week. Next match. Jason Kincaid against Jerry the King Lawler. Lawler starts to brawl with Kincaid, but Kincaid takes to the air. Lawler drops the strap, but Kincaid ducks one of the onslaught of punches and ties Lawler up in a grapevine. Lawler backs him into the turnbuckle. As Lawler walks away from the corner, Kincaid comes off the middle rope with a flying bulldog. As Lawler sits up, Kincaid hits the grave of the Fireflies to get the pin in a time of 6 minutes, 18 seconds. Once that is done, Goldust stalks his way to the ring. Kincaid climbs out of the ring, but Goldust comes in and sizes up Lawler. As Lawler gets to his feet, Goldust kicks him below the belt. Lawler doubles over and Goldust picks him up in a powerbomb into the turnbuckle. Goldust sets him up for the curtain call, but Manning gets in the way. Goldust shoves him out of the way, but Lawler manages to free himself from the turnbuckle. Lawler punches Goldust in the jaw as he walks back in. Lawler backs Goldust into the ropes and whips him across the ring. Goldust ducks a clothesline and comes off the opposite ropes with a flying shoulder tackle that takes Lawler out of the ring. Goldust goes for a plancha, but Lawler moves out of the way. Goldust stops himself at the ropes. Lawler backs himself to the aisle and the head back to the dressing room. Goldust once again grabs the mic to repeat his demand for more matches and a place in the Deadly Dozen tournament. He calls me out, but I refuse to respond. The camera changes to me being choked in a broom closet by Terry Funk. Deranged, Funk demands that I give him a match against Savannah Jack for the number one contender for Undertaker's world heavyweight title. 
I refuse, and Funk lifts me off my feet in the choke. Savannah Jack comes in from off camera and nails Funk with a flying forearm. The door to the closet closes as sounds of the brawl continue. We can keep looking at the door for a while, but we go back to the ring as the next match starts, but Goldust is still in the ring. Goldust looks on in disgust as Iron Mike Sharp's music begins to play. Sharp climbs into the ring, but Goldust cuts him off. He whips Sharp across the ring. Sharp ducks a clothesline and comes off the opposite ropes with a flying crossbody, but Goldust catches him. Goldust drops him in a backbreaker. Bubba Ray Dudley, Sharp's opponent in this match, rushes the ring and slides into the ring. He steps up to Goldust, and the two of them stare at each other for a moment until Sharp nails Goldust from behind with his loaded armband. Goldust slams into Bubba Ray. Bubba Ray shoves Goldust into an atomic drop by Sharp. Bubba Ray levels Goldust with a vicious lariat, and Goldust rolls out of the ring. Sharp swings wildly at Bubba Ray, but he blocks it. Bubba Ray picks Sharp up onto his shoulders and drops him with a Samoan drop. Referee Nick Patrick starts the match. Bubba Ray picks Sharp up again and whips him into the turnbuckle. He charges the corner with a big splash. As Sharp staggers out, Bubba Ray nails him with a bulldog to get the pin in a time of one minute, ten seconds. Goldust climbs back onto the ring apron. Bubba Ray nails him with a forearm before slingshotting him back into the ring. Sharp gets back to his feet just before Goldust. Goldust turns his attention toward Bubba Ray. Sharp drop kicks Goldust in the back. Goldust staggers into a spinebuster slam by Bubba Ray. Bubba Ray stands up and looks straight into Sharp's eyes before both men turn away and exit the ring on opposite sides. As the two of them make their way back to the dressing room, my music begins to play as Goldust gets back to his feet. I come out looking very disheveled and finally take a moment to address Goldust. The moment is short because there are bigger fish to fry than a whiny former champion who wants more matches, who lost his chance for the Deadly Dozen tournament. I go on to apologize to the crowd at the Pfizer Forum that I had been detained and unable to make any statements about anything. I announce that there will be a match to determine who faces The Undertaker tonight. This is not a reward for Funk. It's not a caving in to a bully. It's seeing that justice is served for everyone involved. The next match on the card will be a number one contender match featuring Terry Funk and Savannah Jack. But as always, there will be a twist. The Undertaker is the referee for this no disqualification match. And the crowd pops loudly. Undertaker's music comes out as he comes out to referee this match, dressed up for his match against whoever wins this one. And Undertaker takes his role seriously in this match and levels each wrestler with a kick to the face after calling for the bell. Both men get up to attack him, but Undertaker quickly tosses Savannah Jack out of the ring. Funk kicks Undertaker in the stomach, but Undertaker picks him up in a military press slam. He drops Funk headfirst on the turnbuckle. Jack climbs back into the ring and begins brawling with Funk. Undertaker takes a step back while the two contenders brawl. Funk gains control of the match and drops Jack in a pile driver. Undertaker makes an excruciatingly slow count before Jack kicks out. Funk gets up into Undertaker's face about the slow count. Undertaker shoves Funk away. He falls over Jack in a schoolboy trip. 
Jack rolls them up, but both of them are tangled up in the ropes. And both of them get back to their feet. Undertaker hits the last ride on Funk. Jack begins to argue with the Undertaker until the Undertaker picks Jack up into the tombstone. Undertaker drags Funk across Jack's prone body and makes a quick count. Terry Funk is the new number one contender for the world heavyweight title, at least for tonight. Undertaker had the opportunity to pick his opponent for the evening. It was the opportunity of a lifetime for a wrestler, and as usual, they take full advantage of it. Terry Funk does make a better number one contender than Savannah Jack, especially since Jack has signed to wrestle in the television title division. After all, a feud between Undertaker and Terry Funk would sound much better than Undertaker and Savannah Jack. I mean, everybody has their place in the PWA. Savannah Jack was just one of those luck of the draw because of the Battle Royal with the Lethal Lottery. All right, everything clears out of the ring, and we go on to our next match. Another classic match that unfortunately ends a little too soon, as you have Iceman King Parsons facing off against Rick Rude. And Rude takes charge of the match rather quickly and gets the pin in a time of 3 minutes, 51 seconds with the Rude Awakening. Again, a classic match between these two, as I'm fairly sure they had for the world-class world heavyweight title back in the latter days of the WCWA. We move on to the first of our title matches for the evening, the mandatory television title match. Dirty Dutch Mantel defending the title against his biggest rival in the entirety of the PWA, Buzz Sawyer. Both men brawl inside and outside of the ring, and it is a classic match between these two longtime rivals in the PWA. And Mantel manages to get the win with a brain buster to keep the title in a time of 11 minutes, 45 seconds. You're still your television champion, Dirty Dutch Mantel. We move on to a grudge match. Tag teams going at it. PG-13 against the Smoking Guns. PG-13 still smarting after being kicked out of the Guns for Hire to be replaced by Fallen Angel Christopher Daniels and Steve Carino. But if you are Billy and Bart Gunn and Jimmy Golden and Terry Funk, who would you rather have as the rest of your stable? Two upstart punks? like PG-13, or the World Tag Team Champions. I mean, that's kind of a no-brainer to me. But 20-minute time limit grudge match between PG-13 and Smoking Guns. And these two teams brawl with the guns having the advantage for the bulk of the match. As the match hits the 19-minute mark, Wolfie D grabs the hubcap and nails Bart with it. Billy tosses J.C. Ice out of the ring, but Ice stays on the ring apron. He nails Billy with a shoulder block to the midsection and springboards into a flying leg drop onto Bart, springboarding off of the top rope and Billy Gunn's back to have a little extra spring. David Manning gets down to make the pinfall count just before the time limit expires. Your winners, PG-13 in a time of 19 minutes, 52 seconds. And now one of the matches I was looking forward to, non-title match, but what would be a classic match had they ever had the opportunity to get into the ring. Jesse James Armstrong versus David Von Erich. Jesse James and David have a wonderful scientific match 
until David manages to apply the iron claw. Jesse James submits before his shoulders can be counted down. Awesome match between these two, but your winner in a time of 17 minutes, 44 seconds, is David Von Erich. And what is with this match? Well, this match is to help bolster the feud between David Von Erich and Kurt Henning that I'm wanting to do for a feud for the number one contendership for the world heavyweight title and possibly even for the world heavyweight title after done with the Undertaker Terry Funk. But these guys have slipped through the overall rankings because of the Deadly Dozen tournament and having people just bounce up over them, which is why if I look at the rankings, Undertaker is like the number five wrestler in the PWA as the world heavyweight champion. But that's because one of the is the latter ranking of who beat who. So you move up in the rankings with being able to beat somebody else and you take that spot in the rankings. And so Undertaker is like number 17, number 18 in that one because of him not being in the Illinois State Tournament because he was already the world heavyweight champion. But David Von Erich, because he was involved with Dutch Mantel and Iceman King Parsons and Brickhouse Brown in the feuds over the television title and the world tag team titles, he was not in that as well. But Jesse James Armstrong is. And Jesse James Armstrong was actually the number one rated wrestler in the PWA because of his time in the dirty, uh, Deadly Dozen tournament. So that's the reason why you have matches between David Von Erich and Jesse James Armstrong. Why you have Kurt Henning and Hot Stuff Eddie Gilbert earlier is because both of those guys, Jesse James Armstrong and Hot Stuff Eddie Gilbert, because of their time in the Deadly Dozen tournament, are higher up in the rankings and trying to bring David Von Erich and Kurt Henning more into a spot for contention for the World Heavyweight title. And because Henning and Gilbert had a couple of awesome matches in Madison Square Garden in the 78, 79, 80 range. Great time for both of them when they were first into the WWWF at the time. But again, they went their separate ways as Kurt Henning went back to the AWA. Eddie Gilbert went to Memphis and they were separated and didn't have that opportunity to have any more. But again, as I said, would it have been awesome if Jesse James Armstrong and David Von Erich would have been able to wrestle each other. But unfortunately, Jesse James Armstrong was not even 15 years old when David Von Erich died and would not even begin wrestling until two, almost three years after David dies. So it was just not meant to be with the way everything lines up. But would it have been a great match? Yes, absolutely. And I don't care which version of Jesse James Armstrong you pick. That would have been an awesome match. All right. Two more matches on the card. Next title match. American heavyweight title. Raven defending the title against former champion Great Muda. And Muda was sore because he could not wrestle when Raven won the title because of his injury at the Lethal Lottery Tournament. But he gets his shot now. And Muda and Raven have a slugfest for 30 minutes. Raven tries to take the match into a hardcore territory. 
But Muda quickly takes control of the match. Raven finds out that Muda can't actually be a hardcore wrestler when he desires to. But Muda gets the pin with an Asai Moonsault in a time of 34 minutes, 36 seconds. Your new American heavyweight champion for the second time is Great Muda. And that brings us to the main event of the evening world heavyweight title match. Undertaker defending the title against the new number one contender, Terry Funk. And both men brawl in a match that Nick Patrick makes a no-holds-barred match at the very beginning. Nick Patrick asks my permission to go ahead before he rings the bell to make it a no-holds-barred match. I say go for it. And the ring is littered with foreign objects as the two of them just battle it out in a slugfest that looks like your typical matches between Undertaker and Kane or Undertaker and Austin or Undertaker and uh, Hunter Hearst Helmsley. you got all of these, which if they would have given Terry Funk and Undertaker a proper match, which I believe they fought as Funk was in as Chainsaw Charlie, don't even get me started on that gimmick, this would have been an awesome match. But And this was between these two, but it is littered with foreign objects, ring steps, stair, uh, chairs, trash cans, two-by-fours. Everything you can think of is all in there. Finally, Undertaker gets the pen after a tombstone off the ring steps onto a chair in a time of 44 minutes, 43 seconds. At different points in the match, I made myself known with a few chair shots on Funk. Undertaker is not thrilled with my involvement in the match, but he remains your world heavyweight champion. Now, what's my point with Funk? Just to mess with Undertaker, really. I mean, it's just to show him that, hey, I can keep rid of him if I wanted to. And his contract is coming up in just over a month. And I would love to see him as the world heavyweight champion for a while. But again, it's just one of those where, like Austin, like Sting, Undertaker's one of those guys, I have a hard time having him lose very often. And therefore, I have a hard time with him not being the top guy. But I want to have this time to be able to have other guys, like your Kurt Henning, like your David Von Erich, like your Terry Funk, be the top guy, where there are guys who are more suited instead of kind of the monster role where I'd have to bring in like a Bruiser Brody or a Kamala or a King Kong Bundy or Big John Stud to come up against The Undertaker. I mean, yes, throughout the Attitude Era, you had Undertaker losing to Stone Cold Steve Austin, to The Rock, to Hunter Hearst Helmsley, even Brock Lesnar ending the streak. Okay, granted, I was fine with the streak ending, and I've said it before, but again... You just have to have somebody who's kind of a beast himself to be able to actually legitimately stand up against Undertaker to make the storyline fit. And right now, that's just not in the PWA. But that will come up shortly again. As I said, his contract is up in a month. Will he leave like Sting as the world heavyweight champion? Will he drop the title before he goes? We'll have to see. But that's coming up later. That is it for this card and this week in Pro Wrestling America. I am Southern Dynamite thanking you for being here. 
encouraging you to not only listen to the wrestling side of it, but also the theology side as we stand in the confessional corner on Mondays and dig deeper into the Psalms on Thursdays to be there for all of that. But until then, thank you for listening with Wrestling with Theology and the Pro Wrestling America.